This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning, everyone. As I look out over the audience this morning, I see that we're, we're missing several today, so I'm hoping they're online. Maybe they'll be at our South Campus today, but we're thankful you're here. Can I tell you, uh, when, when I think of an empty sanctuary, I go back, I'm traumatized, PTSD going back to COVID, and we had to preach to a camera, and I, I, I would rather have people here, amen? How many would rather have people here? right? You like coming to church with somebody else, and so that's good. I want to remind you or invite you, I guess, first of all, my invitation is if you're, if you're new with us this morning, we would love to better connect with you. And if that, uh, if that is you, would you fill out a connection card? It's in the chair back right in front of you. Um, if you would rather do it electronically, you can scan the QR code that's in the back of the chair back, and it will also take you to that, that, that electronic uh, form. And if you would, uh, if you're doing it electronically, would you take a picture of it so you can take it out to our welcome booth? If you're here physically, would you take your card to the welcome booth and we'll give you a gift uh, in accordance with that. I want to remind you that this Wednesday is Connect Groups again, where we're Zooming back after a week off. So remember, everyone say Connect Groups. Connect groups, I know that uh, the week prior to last week kind of waned in attendance, and I want to stir your curiosity. I want to stir your attention. I want to get you back there. How many know it's important to connect? It's important to get back into that pattern. It's healthy for you, and it's healthy for us. So whatever it takes, would you make it a priority? Would you come? Would you be part of that? We just have two more weeks left left of this of this series of connect groups, and we want to use them to the best of our ability. Uh, Today we step in to a two-week two-week challenge. Uh, uh, basically, the concept is managing money God's way. Managing money God's way. Some of you came in this morning. You see the 90-day giving challenge on your chair, and you're going, "Oh Lord, He's talking about money this morning." Uh, anybody feel a little bit of anxiety when anybody talks about money? I don't know if you're at that or not, but I, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, "He's not asking us for anything." Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not asking us for anything. So that should kind of, everyone kind of just take a big sigh of relief and go, I'm not coming for an above and beyond uh, ask today. Uh, We're going to be looking at what God asks of us in that process of marriage. But you may come today and and I just just want you to to relax. I want you to come and hear the word of God. How many want to hear the word of God? You know, I think when we come to a service such as this, every single week when we come to a service such as this, we're presented with truth. We're presented with the gospel. We're presented with God's word. And we have this, this... We have this decision to make that are we going to hear the word of God? We've heard it, but it's not just hearing. It can go in one ear and out the other. We have to go, am I going to allow this to impact my life? Am I going to take it into my heart and am I going to allow it to plant seeds and bring, bring fruit in my life? And not only am I going to allow it to come into my heart, am I going to allow it to go into my mind and transform the way that I think? Because I can tell you today, the goal of God, the goal of God's word, whenever we read it, is that God would come in and would transform the way you think. And the process of transforming the way you think is going to change how you behave. Isn't that what God wants? God's not coming and go, behave, behave. God goes, I want to fix your thinking before I have you behave. I want you to accommodate that. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about this concept of money. The Bible definitely doesn't shy away from talking about money. In fact, Scripture includes 25,000 or 2,500 plus verses about how we handle our money and our possessions. 
Money, possessions are a big topic in God's word, and so it should be something that's big in our lives. We should pay attention to it. These 2,500 verses give us a blueprint and teach us, how, teach us God's way of handling money. And so before we step into that, I'm going to have us show a brief video to, for you to understand the 90-day giving challenge, what that looks like, and then we're going to step into what does that look like in our lives? What does the money look like in our lives? Go ahead. Hey RLC, I'm excited to share that we are once again launching a 90-day giving challenge that literally comes with a money-back guarantee. You might think we're crazy, but we're ready to take God at His word by testing His promise to bless and provide for those who commit to biblical financial giving. This challenge begins March 1st and ends May 31st, and there are two ways to get involved. First is for those who don't regularly tithe. Your challenge is to begin to tithe regularly over the next 90 days, and tithing simply means giving 10% of each paycheck. Second is for those who are already tithing. Your challenge is to begin to give over and above that 10% for the next 90 days. And the money back guarantee? If at the end of this challenge, you don't see God providing for you, then every amount you give during the 90 days will be refunded, no questions asked. So that we can track all giving to honor the guarantee, you must give specifically to the 90-day giving challenge fund. All the details are in the handout that you were given today, so be sure to read it and fill out a commitment card before March 1st. We're excited to see what God is going to do in each of your lives, and we can't wait to hear about it. So sign up, take part, and don't miss out. Great, great, I love that. You say, Pastor Kevin, you weren't being honest with us. You're asking us for something. What a bait and switch. No, I want to tell you, I'm not asking you for anything. I'm at, God's asking you for something. It's not me that's asking. It's God that's asking. It's God's in his word that is asking of you something. The goal over the next two weeks is to learn how to manage your finances a little bit better, to maybe relieve some stress in your life. And I think about this whole thing, rather than, you know, when we think about money, we're going, how do I become rich? What, what's going to teach me to become rich? How many know that if you become rich quick, you can become poor quick? And the goal is not to become rich quick because we don't want you to become poor, but the goal is actually from this message series is that you be free. When we think about finances, there's a lot of things in our world today that can create bondage in our lives. And can I tell you that money is one of those things that can create bondage in our lives? And we're going to look at that today. Today, as you look at the screen, you're going to see two resources, uh, two things that I want to present to you. If you follow this QR code right here, uh, it's going to take you to an electronic version of this, so you're able to follow it. But on there is also a link to the Dave Ramsey uh, website, and there is a $79 uh, course that you can take that you have access to for over for a year. You have the whole book and everything for longer than that, but you have this course for over a year. And what it does is, the goal is, is I'm not going to come and try to tell you in two weeks how to create a budget and how to be, uh, how to invest and how to retire and all those things. Dave Ramsey is the guru of all all these things. Dave Ramsey, how many have heard of Dave Ramsey before? If you haven't, you want to follow this, you want to hear this, I'm going to give you a testimony about it for our own lives. But uh, Dave Ramsey's not talking about getting rich. Dave Ramsey's talking about getting free. And the goal about, uh, that's why it's financial peace. There's a peace that comes with freedom, and that's what we want to help you step into. The second one is this 90-day giving challenge, and you heard the information about that today. And so follow these, take, take, take these down. This, is going to, this will help you. We want to benefit you uh, in the process of God asking you for something. We want to help you get there. We want to help you process that. Today, I want to talk about this concept of margin. Will you turn to your neighbor and say margin? 
margin. You know, we just finished a series called Make Room. Make room. You know, another definition of, of making room would possibly be margin. I just want to remind you back because it's a theme that we're going to have over the next, throughout this year, but this idea of making room is to move aside, to clear, to create space for something. When we think about making margin in our lives, in our finances, that means that we're moving things around to create space for freedom to not live in bondage anymore, but to walk in freedom. And this idea of decluttering uh, goes on with that definition is probably the concept of what we would refer to as budgeting. And I'm not gonna ask you if you believe in a budget, I'm not gonna ask you today if you're on a budget, because I don't want you to feel condemned or proud or whatever it might be that comes to your mind. But I can tell you today that if you're not on a budget, your life is going to not have room and your life is going to be filled with clutter. So again, it comes back to those concepts. Making room, our margin for God in our lives. To, we're gonna talk about this concept of being free in, our, free in our finances. So the title of my message today is Margin Equals Freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, Margin Equals Freedom. Come on. If this statement is true, if you agree with this statement, I'm gonna give you another statement. The lack of margin equals bondage. Margin equals freedom, and lack of margin is going to create bondage in your life. It's going to create these things that, that, uh, that, that bring a, 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 a binding to you. How many have discovered this in your life? That when you have margin in your spending, you have freedom. When you don't have margin, you have bondage. You're, you're held to this task that sometimes seems completely impossible. I want to give you two definitions this morning, this idea of freedom, the state of being free, the absence of constraint, not being restrained by the power of, not in slavery to. So when we think about this idea of being free in our money, free in our lives, free in our finances, it's having this thing with the absence of constraint. Now, how many know, you know, well, Pastor Kevin, you know, a budget is constraining. Yes, it is. But it's constraining in a healthy way, not in an unhealthy way. Freedom, as we've heard before, freedom isn't free. How many have heard that statement? Freedom isn't free. Someone paid a price for your freedom. And when we think about freedom in our finances, can I challenge you today? You're gonna have to pay a price in your finances to be free. You're gonna have to, be pay, you're gonna have to pay a price to go, no, I want freedom more than I want that item. I want freedom more than I want those things. This alternative word is bondage. The state of being bound enslaved to, controlled by. Today, I could ask you how many have ever felt enslaved to your money? How many ever felt enslaved or held, held, been controlled by a credit card, a piece of plastic in your wallet, the lack of money? Today, I wanna to share just a personal story with you about Pastor Rhonda and myself. I can tell you that I've always wanted to be free, but how many know that we can be in bondage? and how we spend our money. And I believe that probably everybody in this room would rather be free than bound. 38 years of marriage, about 38 years, it was 38 years ago, a little bit earlier than 38 years ago, we accepted a ministry position, our first ministry position, and I was hired at a church for $1,200 a month. I was excited, but the reality was is that that was not my take-home pay. My take-home pay was right about 950 to 1,000. Rhonda was, we were a single income family at that moment, and I was 
We had to pay rent. We had to pay school payments, school loans. We had to pay car insurance. We had to pay all the different utilities. We had to buy groceries. We had to pay electricity, all of that stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those expenses that are on your life. And I realized quickly that by the time we would get to the end of every single month, our money was gone. And we still had not covered just the necessities of life. Rhonda quickly was able to get in and get a job and she got a part-time job that was kind of sporadic. And until uh, a few years into our marriage, she finally got a really good job at one of the the computer places up in Beaverton where we were close to. And she was making it a a rather good salary, much better than mine was. And she was bringing home insurance and all of those things. And so we started having a little bit more margin in our money. But how many know that when you have margin in your money, you can either choose to do wisely with it or you can choose to do foolishly with it. We got in a really bad pattern when we didn't have enough money and we had this plastic thing in our wallet. They would go to the grocery store going, you know, we don't have enough money for groceries, but we need to eat. And so we're going to buy our groceries on our credit card. Our house is really, really cold. Our apartment was cold. This townhouse that we were living in was cold and we had to keep the heat on. So we bumped up the heat and we'd pay the bills with our credit card. And I can tell you that probably about four years into our marriage, we had about $10,000 in credit card debt. We learned from that process and we paid that off. But as stupid as humans are, maybe it's just Rhonda and I, but as stupid as we were, can I tell you that we quickly stepped back into debt? We paid the price, we felt the pain, but we wanted the freedom of what a plastic card would give us rather than the freedom of what out of debt would, cause, would, would free us from. Fast forward into a few years of our, more, many more years into our marriage, after Financial Peace University, we began to assess, and I don't say that, I say this with, with shame and humility, we were over $30,000 in debt on our credit cards. I don't know if that causes you anxiety or stress, but can I tell you that that debt, that regular debt every single month brought a lot of stress and anxiety, a lot of contention in our marriage, a lot of strain upon our relationship. And I can tell you that after we followed the Financial Peace University, we were able to pay that all off and we are like goose egg at this point, except for a house payment and one small car payment. Can I tell you that when I think about that, I feel free. I have freedom in this concept of what is there. And I know that before there was bondage. So today, if you're in this state, if you're in this situation and you've, you've felt shame and you felt embarrassment and you feel hopeless, today I want to give you some principles to help you find freedom. That's the goal of this message this morning. Margin equals freedom. God, today I pray over this message. I pray over the power of your word. I pray over the hearing of your people. God, today I come in the name of Jesus and I bind shame and I bind condemnation. I bind intimidation. I bind uh, the concept or the mindset of going, this is none of his business. God, today this is all your business. And God, I pray that you would free us today. Would you bring freedom? God, you are where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, would you bring liberty today at Relevant Life Church in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, as we're going to be looking at God's word, and because the Bible is filled with 2,500 plus verses of scripture, the Bible has a lot to say on 
finances and how you handle your finances. God wants, uh, uh, God wants us to live a blessed life. He really does. Not a blessed life of, of selfishness, but a blessed life uh, today in this present life. Many times we go, well, God, you're going to bless me when I get to heaven. But can I tell you that God wants to bring a little bit of heaven to earth? God doesn't want you just to endure earth to get to heaven. God says, no, I want to bless you while you're here. And there's many, many principles on how to do that. But I've discovered, as I stated earlier, that being broke and in debt create a lot of stress in my life. How many bring, face stress with those things? Face anxiety of how much are we going to, how, how can we get to the end of the month? But I've discovered that this concept of, of debt does not bring joy to me. It actually brings depression. It actually brings anxiety. And so I want to speak to this concept of freedom today. Stressing out over our money does not bring us peace. It actually frustrates. It steals joy. So as we step into this concept, we want to, I want to help you understand this by a picture today before I give you the actual definition of margin. On this next slide, you're going to see this ideal daily schedule. You know, any, anybody, anybody idealists out there that, have, that, that organize every moment of your time? As we look at this schedule here, we can see so this concept of margin is that, you know, uh, you wake up at 4 a.m., you make your cup of coffee, you feed your dog. At 4.15, the most important thing is you pray and you do your devotions. And then because you're, you're so disciplined, you're going to change to go for the gym, go to the gym, and by 5.15, you're at the gym, and you're going to do your workout. You're going to get back home at 7 a.m., and you're going to get showered, and you're going to get dressed, and then you're going to... Uh, 7.30, you're going to get your cup of coffee and grab your breakfast sandwich, and you're going to drive to work. And then if you're on an 8 to 5, uh, eight to five job, you're, you're working at your work. You get home by 5.15, you got to make dinner. Uh, 6 o'clock, you eat dinner, and you clean up. By 6.30, there's house chores, the honeydew list, all the different things that you have to do. 7.15 to 8 o'clock, you have time with your spouse and your family. You play games, whatever it is that you're going to do. And then 8 o'clock to 8, 8 to 9 o'clock, you have to have your TV time. <laughs> if you're like me, you try to sit down and read before you go to bed because it helps me fall asleep, and then 10 o'clock to 4 a.m. you're sleeping. And we look at this, and some people can go, no, that's, how many would go, this is a great schedule. How many look at it and go, that's hell. <laughs> the reality is, it's this. We can order our lives and we can structure our lives, but what you don't see in this, how many know that, that we can set our alarm for four o'clock in the morning and we may not get up until 4.15 and then, uh, well, you know, God, I got to go to the gym, so I'm going to forget you and I don't do my devotions. And then I go to the gym and I get home a little bit late and I got to shower and I got to get dressed and I get out the door and I don't have time to get my, make my cup of coffee, so I'm going to drive through Starbucks and I get to Starbucks and the line is 10 people long and it actually makes me 15 minutes later to work than I was supposed to be. And you get through your day and that, you have to work a little bit later, you get home and you realize that it was your night to make dinner and you forgot that it was your night to make dinner and you forgot to take anything out, of the, out so you go, hey, we're going to do Uber Eats. So it takes forever to get everybody's order to figure out what that's going to look like. And the order finally comes and that goes into the house chores. And uh, eventually you don't have time for your spouse, but you're determined that you're going to sit down and you're going to watch your TV show. <laughs> right? You can forgo the reading. Who cares about the other? But I've got to have me time. What we don't see in this illustration is we don't see any scheduled margin. We don't see any transition points. We just, we've packed our schedule to the very max. Just like uh, money is important to us, we, people say today in America that time is the most valuable thing that we can have. 
So if we can't budget our time that is most important to us, how many of us are struggling in budgeting, budgeting our finances? Today, the theme of this day, the theme of these two weeks, is when we live with no margin, we live stressed and anxious. But when we live with no plan, we live without a purpose. Today, when we come and we talk about this idea of margin, we can come and go, well, no, I've got to build all this margin, and who cares? Just screw the world. I have margin. But if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have a plan, there's no purpose in your life. So there's this tension that we feel between purpose and budget, this purpose and this margin, this idea of going, I've gotta have a goal, I've gotta have a direction. There's this tension and we go, well, I wanna eliminate one of those. I don't like tension. Can I tell you that this is a tension that you have to manage and not eliminate. For you to be successful, for you to live your life in joy and happiness, there's gotta be this place you're managing the tension between margin and between a budget. These ideas that are here. When we don't live with margin in our life, in our time or in our money, that we, have, we don't have room for unexpected circumstances of life. The definition of margin could be making room, but this is space in between, this white space on the page, a spare amount. Turn to your neighbor and say, a spare amount. When we are living our lives to the very extent every minute, we have no spare amounts for any interruptions. Those interruptions probably that are most important what we, that we would call relationships. When we're doing the same thing with our finances, we are living to the max and even over and above our budgets. We're, we're maxed out. We don't have a spare amount. So if there is a need in our lives, we're not able even to step into that need. This idea of margin when it comes to finances is the space between your income and your expenses. Spending less than you actually make. <gasps> what? <laughs> that concept that we in America go, well, hey, I don't have the cash, but I got the credit card. It's a thing that has been adopted by our culture today and has been adopted by many of our own lives but I want you to realize today that margin creates less stress to react to. Margin creates less stress to react to. Uh, how many have discovered that things happen? Your car breaks down, people get sick in your house, costs of living go up, injuries happen, people lose their jobs, air conditioning breaks, your tire blows, your kids need new shoes. Am I talking to anybody out there that understands the concept? When you have this idea of margin, it creates less stress to have to react to an emergency. Crisis hits, and many of us will ask this question, can I afford this? Or many of us will declare, I can't afford this. Anybody ever, how many said that in the last month? I, I just can't afford this. But margin is having the freedom of living a life where you aren't stressed financially. Margin doesn't just create less stress to react to. Margin creates more space to respond to. And that's really what this idea of talking today, when we talk about margin equal freedom, is this concept. The Gutenberg Press in 1455 was the very first printing press that was used to print books. And the first book ever printed on the Gutenberg Press was the Bible. But if you notice around the edges of this book, you can see here, there's a lot of white space, and that white space is called... Margin. You know, I don't know, as I was looking at these pictures this week, I'm like going, dude, they wasted a lot of paper. 
You know, if they would have just printed to the edge, they could have saved a lot of paper. I mean, back in the day, it was expensive. So it's like, save some money. But, uh, and I don't know, uh, so I, I, I Googled to find out why do books have margins? Does anybody know why they have margins? It's not just to create this white space for you to be able to have a aesthetically, aesthetic page. There's a purpose for it. That as you're holding your Bible, that your fingers will cover the words. And they're trying to create an idea that you can read a book and be able to take from the book without being obstructed in your view. Can I tell you today that I think many times, we, we just got done with this Make Room series, but many times we're not making room in our lives for God, so we're not allowing him to speak to us. We're covering up certain things of our lives, and God says, I want to speak into your life. Margin helps us respond to God. Margin helps us respond to people. Leviticus 23, 22 gives us a life principle set out by God. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land. How many know that it's your land, so therefore on your land, that means that everything on it is legally yours. Legally yours, that you can go in and you can take everything, glean everything that you possibly can. But God comes with this concept to believers today. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Meaning don't walk through and get get every piece of fruit that is yours, every piece of grain that is yours. Don't go through and just do this process. He goes on and says, leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. When we talk about the Lord, we talk about this idea that lordship is savior, that he's this one that comes in and provides for. He's coming and giving us this concept of don't, don't, uh, don't harvest every last seed. And can I tell you that many times in our finances, we're harvesting every last seed. We're making everything count. Yes, that is stewardship. And we're going to talk about stewardship next week. But I want you to remember that this concept, God says, I want to give you margin. I want you to live with margin. I want you to live outside of yourself. God told Abraham, he says, I have blessed you. Why? Not for you to hold it all unto yourselves. Not to you to, for you to have cattle and horses and sheep and tents and servants. Even though he did, he was extremely blessed. But God says, I bless you that you would be a blessing. And for you to step back in your life, when you think about margin, are you living your life blessing others? Because that's the goal of God in your life. Yes, to provide for you. Yes, to care for you. But out of your blessing, would you bless others? Today, I want to give you three points. Actually, a few more because I have one point that has three subpoints under it. But today... <laughs> Give me some margin. <laughs> Number one today, how do we get margin? We spend wisely. Say spend wisely. Spend Proverbs 21.20 says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Can I tell you, there's been seasons in my life that I've been a fool. I've spent whatever's come through my hands and I've spent more than what's come through my hands. Stats today said that the majority of Americans are stressed about money, are stressed about money. According to the American Psychological Association, 65% of adults say that money is a significant source of stress in their lives, in their marriages, and in their homes. But according to the U.S. Census, only 12% of Americans actually live in poverty. So when we think about this concept of 65% of Americans 
and 12% actually have a reason to be stressed, what we have to realize is that 80, 80 plus percent of people are stressed about money. They don't necessarily have an income problem. They have a spending problem. This concept that is here that oftentimes we don't like the stress and we don't like the bondage, but who's putting us in stress and who's putting us in bondage? Ourselves. I can tell you, I, I, I don't have the, I, I can tell you Dave Ramsey's principles today, but he's the guru, so I'm not going to tell you how to spend less. Today I want to give you common reasons of why we spend more. Why we spend more. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says this, for where your treasure is, what is it there? Your heart will be also. Which means that where your heart is, your treasure will follow. Which means that if you want to get your money right, you must get your heart right. If you get your heart right, your money will follow your heart to the right place. Today, that's the goal. This idea that we want your heart motivation to be right. So this idea of spending, spending, le- spending wisely is first of all coming and going, where is my money going? Okay, point number two, we need to check our spending motivations. And I'm going to say, we need to check our hearts. Today, there are, I'm going to give you three motivations where I believe most Americans spend their money. Number one is we spend out of habit. Everyone say habit. habit. We spend out of habit. Habit is something that you do without thinking, biting your nail, nails, tapping your foot, whatever it might be. If you're with Trenton, the shaking of the leg, and you're like going... The table's shaking. Why are you shaking? And it's out of habit, right? Anybody have those little habits that you just do? Yeah. With spending, there are times that we don't even think about our spending. We jump in the car and we drive through Starbucks or Dutch Bros or a drive through for food. We can reason that in this process, I can afford $6 today. I can buy this cup of coffee. I can buy Dutch Brothers But what we don't realize is that over a span of a year, our average American spends over $2,000 in coffee and specialty drinks. I can afford Mickey D's quarter pound uh, bacon cheeseburger uh, for $9, but the average American spends $3,689 a year eating out. How about those subscriptions, 99 cents a month? Dude, I can afford 99 cents a month. What about the $1.99 a month? I can afford $1.99 a month. What about those subscriptions for TV programs of $14.99 a month? It's cheaper than cable, right? But when you have eight of them, that's $120 a month. And the average American underestimates how much they are actually spending on subscriptions. How many can take a guess? Today, the average American spends $219 a month on monthly subscriptions whether that's apps on your phone, whether that's a TV, Netflix, or Amazon, whatever that might be. Today in America, uh, unused gym memberships. Everyone say unused. (laughs) Unused gym memberships. Now, I'm not not knocking you, okay? But unused gym memberships, $326 a year. Recurring payments that we don't use, but we just have allowed it to stay on our debit card as auto-deduction. Anybody ever been guilty of that? To go, well, no, I will use it eventually. And eventually, two years later, you're going, I just, I've just wasted hundreds of dollars. Today, I come, I want you to hear me. There is no, absolutely no condemnation. No condemnation. Because as I step back, as we've evaluated our own lives, there are things that we've allowed into our lives that we can afford. How many say you can afford them? 
But I want you to realize today that not everything you can afford do we realize what it's actually costing us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, 28, says, but don't begin until you count the cost. You count the cost. There's a difference between cost and afford. There's a difference between the ability to pay for it and really what it's going to do to your life. We've got to begin to think differently in this mindset. Rather than asking, can I afford it? We need to begin to ask ourselves, what will it cost me? Rather than what, I, what can I afford, can I afford the 99 cents? Can I afford, yes, I can afford the, the Starbucks cup of coffee. And I'm not condemning it. I'm not saying don't ever do it. I'm just going, are you thinking about what it's going to cost you in the long run? This long-term cost. Can I tell you that we struggle thinking about the long-term cost? Because we can come back today and go, God, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I can afford that today. But what's it going to cost me tomorrow to follow you? Not just tomorrow, but what's it going to cost for my life? What do I have to be willing to sacrifice? It's the same concept of finances. Today, I got these fancy little cups up here, and we got giving, and we have e-fund, our emergency fund. We have school. We have savings. We have our vehicle, tithe, house, debt, Vacation, all these different items. We have food, we have retirement, we have fun, and we like the fun, don't we? Everyone say fun. And then we have this question mark. Today I have $1,000 up here, just to imagine that this, because it's easy to, it's not real money, so don't mug me, okay? (laughs) Looks pretty good though, you know? I'm giving us just $1,000 just for us to understand the percentage part. For us to grasp this today, I want us to, let me order these. I probably should have put them in order as I was doing this. So we have tithe, put that over here, food, house, we gotta have, oops, I just dropped the house. Someone, Someone wanna help me with my house? It wasn't built on the foundation. vehicle. There we go. We think about these, these five, the, these four things primarily that many of us focus on, but was because we are believers in Christ, because we're Christ followers, there should be actually five things that dominate our lives. And as we're Christ followers, when we think about this, I have the thousand dollars, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. A thousand bucks. We think about our monthly income. We think about this concept. And when we think of as believers today, a thousand dollars, at the very onset, $100 at the onset has to go to God. Not because I'm asking you for it, because his word asks you for it. Today, when we think about this concept of, of housing, I don't have the house, where was house? Right there. Housing, 30% of an American's income goes to housing. That's utilities, that's insurance, that's your house payment. So we're talking $300 out of 1,000 is gonna go to our house. When we think about vehicle, uh, most people may have a vehicle that's paid off, but the concept of a vehicle is in America, 3% of your income is gonna be gas. But if you have upkeep, if you have to buy tires, if you have to have all those things, I'm gonna actually say that it's 10%, or maybe you're making a payment, I'm gonna say it's 10%, so another $100. We think about our, our uh, food, and we like to eat, do we not? 
So I'm going to say today that here's another 10% that goes into our food. When we step back and we begin to look at that going, dude, I have $400 left over. But what we don't realize is that we have all these other things up here that oftentimes takes and demands our money. This concept, you know, as I've talked with people about their budget going, where did all this money come from? Can I tell you the reality is it's not where did this money come from, is where is this money going? And that's what this concept is. And when we come back and go, why is it that we do what we do? Why are we do? What, what is the motivation of spending? And oftentimes this thing that, that actually hurts us the most is this. The non-negotiable that we are, the, just those things that are open to go, you know, but I like that idea. So, you know, if I don't, if I don't uh, put any money in my emergency fund, I'm going to actually put it in my mysterious little bank account over here, this mysterious thing that just happens to go, I want that more than I want my emergency fund. I want this more than I want to take care of my debt. I want this more than I want to pay a school bill. I want this more than whatever it is in our lives. This question mark is what we have to define in our lives. And that's why this concept of a budget is so important. This concept of how does our lives play out, but this idea that is there, if we don't have margin in our lives, if we don't have that thing in our life, it's, it's just going to flow and it's going to end up being something that we can't afford. If you say, I, can I can't, you can afford something, what is it costing you? What is it costing you? Dave Ramsey makes a statement, you can pay now and play later, or you can play now and you can pay later. I can tell you I've been guilty of both. Anybody out there been guilty of both? And I ask you today, where's your money going? Point number two, or 2B, two that was 2A, this is 2B. We spend for validation. I'm not anti-nice things. I like nice things. I like the fresh smell of a brand new car. I like those things. And we like new things. I recently read a story about a man who bought a Rolex watch. That Rolex watch, watch cost him $1,181 a month for six years. That's $14,166 a year, $84,995 total. This is a true story. I read it up. I looked it up. Can I tell you, if, if he was wanting a Rolex watch for a time teller, there's a lot cheaper ways to have tell time. I mean, how many, how many have a, a phone that tells time? I mean, and if you want to go cheap, you can go to Walmart and buy a Casio, <laughs> right? Casio watch. It's going to tell you time. But can I tell you today, I don't believe that this guy was wanting a time teller. He was wanting something that gave him value. He was not wanting to, he wasn't just buying uh, something that would tell time. He wanted to find worth. He bought it so that he could look good. Today, as we think about Americans, I Google, Google statted this for statistics. It says the top things that we spend money on to impress others, the cars that we drive, the clothes that we wear, the jewelry that we buy, the, this was fascinating, the, the amount of, of increase over 15 years ago of, of engagement rings and wedding rings for a partner, it's $12,000 a couple for wedding rings. The houses that we buy, we want to impress. The restaurants that we eat at, Dave Ramsey says we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. Jesus came and he said this, though, in Luke chapter 16. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Can I tell you today, as I begin to think of our lives, 
as we began to step out of bondage to credit cards and bondage to death and step into to understanding God's blessing. Can I tell you, as we've been faithful with a little, God's trusted us with more. Can I tell you that God wants to trust you with more? God wants to bless you because he wants to bless through you. The statement for this one is don't try to impress people with your money. Why don't we try to impress God with our money management? Why don't we come back and go, God, this all belongs to you anyway. And God, I want to honor you with this. God, I want to bless you with this. God, I want you to see that you're the most important thing to me. To see, we spend a fill a void. Jim Carrey, I've been guilty of this one. Jim Carrey says, I think everybody should get rich and famous to do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And I'm going, I would like to try it. (laughs) Come on, be honest, right? I would like to try it. But Jim Carrey goes on to say this. He goes, everyone chases money, wealth, success, and fame, thinking it will bring happiness to their life. Once they attain it, the person sits there and thinks, is this it? That's what all this hype was about. I don't feel happy. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel anything. The hole that I was trying to fill with money and possessions will only be made, is only made bigger by the pursuit of money. I don't know about you, but I can tell you that in moments of my life, I can try to find, fill a void with food. Anybody try to fill voids with food? I can at times try to fill a void with, I want to go buy something new. And I've realized that it's a very short-lived happy feel. Isaiah 55 tells us this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why are you spending money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, he says. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Isaiah is coming with this challenge, this mindset, realizing that people can get so caught up, the Israelites so caught up in possessions and things and what they could acquire and Isaiah is speaking as, a, as an oracle of God to say, why are you pursuing something that does not cost you money? It costs you relationship. He's basically come back going, if you would find your fulfillment in God, God will provide you with your wine and your milk with no cost. You'll have the richest affair. You will be treated the best. But oftentimes we pursue to fill a void, spending money to feel good, is like chewing gum to feel full. You're gonna be chewing for a while and three things are gonna happen. Number one, you'll feel empty. Number two, how many realize, how many have ever done this? You're like dieting and you're going, I just need to chew on something. You're gonna feel hungrier when it's all done. As you chew, the saliva begins to work, causing your stomach acids, to, your digestive juices to flow, and eventually you're at a place where you're hungrier. And the last thing that happens with gum, just like it does with an item, is that you'll chew it for a while and it's going to lose its flavor. It's the same thing that happens in our ideas when we want to spend money to fill a void. What I've realized is this, that when I lack satisfaction in my God, I start to pursue satisfaction in things. 
Can I tell you that even today in my life, even though I understand these principles, when I lose satisfaction in God and his presence and what he does in my life, I can begin to try to go, God, how am I going to fill this void? And I can divert my attention from him to things to stuff, to activities, to experiences. Now, I'm not here to talk and to condemn those things. Please hear me. I'm not meaning that those are evil, but can I tell you that if I change my focus from satisfaction in God to find satisfaction in these things, I immediately am changing my God to those things. My idolatry becomes this, and I'm going, God, you're secondary. And God says, I want to be first in your life. Everything breaks down. Everything rusts. Everything has a moth that's going to eat it. Matthew chapter 6, six says this. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and destroy, uh, rust destroy and thie- where thieves can break in. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust or can destroy or thieves can break in and steal. Can I tell you in our humanity, we are continually trying to fill a void. There is a God-sized hole in all of us. And we can try to fill it with a lot of things, but if we don't fill it with God, there is going to be a space that's never satisfied. So we spend wisely. We need to check our motivations. And lastly today, we save diligently. Here you have your last 30 to 40% 40 of your income. And rather than the random question mark over here, we need to have our little savings cup. I got to figure out how to do this better next time. Savings cup. If we're talking about Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey's concept, he's going to talk about your tithe, your house, your car, your food, all these things. And he's going to come and he's going to talk about setting up an emergency fund. Well, that's not my emergency fund. I got it here. Right here. Emergency fund. And then we have savings over here. He's going to talk about your emergency fund. Emergency fund is that thing that happens when calamity happens. Everybody has calamity. Everybody has unexpected items. And today, his concept is this, that if you're a family, you need to have a $1,500 emergency fund that when your tires blow or whatever, you don't have to go to a credit card to pay for it. You go to your emergency fund to pay for it. You replenish your emergency fund. He says, if you're in debt, you need to start taking, rather than doing all these other things, you need to start snowballing debt and get rid of the debt in your life. Why? Because debt brings bondage and God wants to bring freedom to you. So let's say that today you've got your emergency fund and you have no debt. Give yourself a hand today if you have no debt. Then you need to step in and you begin to save, not your emergency fund, but you need to begin to save for future opportunities. I also have a cup up here that says give, but I actually mean generosity. Can I tell you that many times we're presented with opportunities of generosity and we're maxed out so we can't be generous. And God says, I've blessed you to be a blessing. I'm blessing you to be someone who can give and to help somebody else. I'm blessing you that you would have margin, that you're not going to harvest every last seed. You're going to let someone else come in and glean from my blessings upon your life. When we think about this concept and we begin to save and we begin to invest, and today I would say this, if you're at this state, you need to begin to save for your future, save for future opportunities, save for this opportunity to be a blessing. It is what you save diligently that grows incrementally. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise have wealth 
and luxury, but again, the fool spends whatever they get. You can't, you can't protect the future, but you can plan for it. Can I tell you that this has brought so much peace in our life? Because we can now plan for the future. We can now plan for, pop, for, for, uh, for, for emergencies. We can now plan for retirement. We can plan to save. We can plan for future opportunities. We can plan for our, for our generations that come out of our lives. Statistics show this is 68% of American population live paycheck to paycheck and are one paycheck away from financial disaster. Pastor Kevin, you're creating anxiety in me today. My hope is that I'm creating a tension within you because God doesn't want you to live paycheck to paycheck. God wants to bless you. God wants you to have leftover. It's our world today, it's our culture today that's demanding of us something more. I can tell you today because Rhonda and I have margin in our lives, we're able to respond to a BGMC when BGMC happens. Because we have margin in our lives, we're able to respond to Convoy of Hope when there's a need. When we, because we have margin in our life, we are able to respond to a missionary that comes and says, hey, will you support me? Because we have margin in our life, when someone goes on a mission trip and they say, hey, can you give to us? We're able to write a $100 check or $200 check and go, no, we want to bless you. That's not giving us credit. That's saying, no, because we have margin, we can respond to the needs around us and not react to the lack of. Today, I want to challenge you. I believe that all of us want freedom. How many want freedom this morning? We want freedom. Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9, says this, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I go, grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Am I too poor? Am I, uh, or I may steal and in, thus insult God's holy name. Many times the question comes to Pastor Kevin, How much is enough? And I ask you, How much is enough? This concept that we've all dreamt about of going, you know, if I were to win a $10 million lottery, a $100 million lottery, and I would tell you today, it's a divine miracle if I ever did because I don't play the lottery. I'll just tell you this. If you go to this church and you play the lottery, no condemnation, just tithe on your lottery winnings, you know? <laughs> but I love this passage of scripture as, a, as, as Solomon says. He says, give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Whatever replaces our trust in God is too much. Can I tell you that that's in my life? I am, I'm one of those frugal people that I, I save and I can begin to put my trust and confidence in what is over here and it removes my trust and confidence in Him. Now God wants me to save, but if my eyes are over here on this rather than on Him, I'm missing the whole point. This has become this comfort to me. Can I tell you that oftentimes when, when we, we do that with our paychecks, we do that with this concept of going, well, God, I got it. I'm self-sufficient. I got this job. And God's going, that job is not your source. I'm your source. That retirement is not your source. I'm your source. This is why today with this principle of the tithe and this concept of the 90-day giving challenge, we want you to make God your first payment. Not because it's for us, it's for you. Why? Because you will never, never, hear me, you will never have margin in your life if you don't honor God the way he asks you to honor God. 
The ways you come back to your whole concept of going, but God, it's, but Kevin, it's all mine. No, God gave you all of this. And all he's asking for is 10%. And you say, Pastor Kevin, I want freedom. Freedom begins right here. Pastor Kevin, I want generosity. Generosity begins right here. Pastor Kevin, I want enough. It begins right here. It's that thing called God math. That as God, as you do what God asks you to do, God gives you margin and God gives you freedom. God wants to bless you. As I close today, Luke chapter 12 says this. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And he said, I'll tear, I know, I'll tear down all my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll make room enough to store all the wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that the American dream? Sit back in retirement and just eat, drink, and be merry. Do whatever it is you want to do. But God said to him, you are foolish. You will die this very night, then you will get everything that you worked for. Verse 21 says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have rich relationship with God. When you look at the actual root of this, it means not to be generous towards God. When we think about this concept, God wants us to be generous towards him because he's the one that has blessed us. Again, hear me today, there's no condemnation. I'm a sinner. I've done this. I've been foolish. I've been foolish still. We've done stupid stuff. Be, be all right with it, the fact is, but I can tell you this, I've learned from the foolishness. I'm learning from the foolishness. Today, if you'd stand to your feet, I wanna ask a qu quick question for you. Put that slide back up there for me, if you would, Jesse. We wanna invite you to these, the, the, the QR code one if you'd put it up there. Make sure that if you, would you get this today? Two declarations that I would like you to ask for as you get that QR code real quickly, but then go to my application slide. I think it's one slide back. I would like you to declare with me today that I wanna make God Lord of my money. Do you believe that today? Across this room, would you just close your eyes? Close your eyes. If that's you today, would you say, God, I want to be, I want you Lord of my life, Lord of my money. Would you just raise your hand to heaven today? No one's looking around. God, today, we make that declaration. We want you to be Lord of my money. Would you say it? God, I want you to be Lord of my money. I want you to be Lord of my money, Lord of my spending. God, give me wisdom. God, today, I thank you that you're a God of grace, that you're a God of mercy, that you're a God that empowers and enables. God, today, would you speak to my heart? Would you change my heart? Would you change my thinking? And God, today, I believe that everybody else can declare this as well, that I want to walk in freedom and not bondage. Would you say today, God, I want to walk in freedom? God, today as we walk in freedom, we declare that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I bind condemnation, I bind shame, I bind guilt, I bind the, the process of, of all these things that can, that can make us feel like we have to have more. God, would you bring satisfaction in our hearts and minds? God, help us to know that you are the only one that can satisfy. 
You're the only one that can fill us. And God, today we thank you. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for those that are hearing today. God, I pray your blessings upon their lives. I buy, I've come against strongholds that are holding them. I come against strongholds in their minds, in their finances, in how they spend. God, I come against these insecurities that they run after because of money. God, whatever it is that has, has attention more than you, God, would you reveal it to them? God, help us to make room to make margin in our finances, I pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Our prayer team is coming right now to pray with you. If you need prayer this morning, would you pray? Would you come to them and let them pray with you? And we're excited for, for what God's going to do in your life through them. Make sure you go sign up for the 90-day the giving challenge. This is for people that haven't tithed and those that are still tithing. Look at the definitions that are there and go, God, what can I do to honor you in a greater way? God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.